0: Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Welcome to today's episode of Marriage and Family Clinic. To all of our listeners in the United States, every one of the 50 states, states and territories, we welcome you today and to all of our listeners from every other country around the world, this great globe of ours, I'm honored to have you join us. Welcome everyone to Marriage and Family Clinic. In Southern Virginia, we're coming to you from WGPL 1350 AM. WPCE 1400 AM and WBXB 100.1 on your FM dial. You can also listen to us on the live stream at www.christianbroadcastingcompany.com. And if you would like to hear this or any other segment in the Marriage and Family series, you can always search the podcast. Go to iTunes. Go to uh, Spotify. Go to iHeartRadio search the podcast, search Bishop C.D. Hodges. You'll find Marriage and Family Clinic there. Marriage and Family Clinic is here to help you break down and gain enlightenment into your relationship dynamics. We hope to help you identify what makes you tick. And ultimately, we want to help you prepare, grow, and perfect your marriage and family relationships. And I tell you, this is helping me to grow, perfect, and repair my family and marriage relationships also. Nobody is perfect. Every one of us, we are works in progress. Every one of us, we are on the potter's wheel. And Marriage and Family Clinic is here to help you along your journey, to help you understand things, to help you get things rolling in your marriage and family relationships. And we're just so honored to have you with us. I'm going to talk about our relationships. I'm going to talk about some relationship habits here in just a moment. But I I want to take just a minute or two and just talk about our nation. You know, I think the United States of America is a great nation. I think that the Lord had a lot to do with establishing the United States of America. But you know, even if God establishes something... Just like marriages, even when God brings a husband and a wife together, they're going to have to do a whole lot of work to make the marriage work and to make the marriage the glorious union that God intends for it to be. Likewise, no matter how much the United States of America claims to be a Christian nation, no matter how much we claim to be founded on Christian principles, That is absolutely nothing to brag about if we're founded on Christian principles but live like the devil. That is the same thing that is tantamount to a man or a woman going to church on Sunday morning after they've been partying hard on Saturday night. Instead of bragging and boasting that we were founded on Christian principles, let's live them. Let's publish them. Exactly what are these principles that we keep on saying that we were founded on? What are these principles? We're good at saying that we're founded on these Christian principles, but what exactly are they? Because when I look around at our nation, we have some work to do. And the burden that's on me right now is the state of our policing in the United States of America. We have a problem with the way we police. I'm not saying police are bad people, bad enterprises, quite the contrary. Police, law enforcement is an enterprise recognized and established by God himself. God is a God of order and law enforcement exists to preserve and to uh, 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 enforce order. Law enforcement exists for the good of the people. So God is all for law enforcement. But I tell you something. We have a problem with law enforcement in the United States of America. And it's a problem that must be fixed. And there are a couple of things that are preventing us from fixing the problem. The first thing that's preventing us from fixing the problem is failure to acknowledge that there is a problem. We have far, far too many people dying too many people being seriously hurt and injured at the hands of law enforcement. There is absolutely no reason that a person should end up dead over the things that we have people dying over. Let me say that again. There is absolutely no good reason For a person to end up dead over the things that we have people dying over at the hands of law enforcement. And in my prayer the other morning I was praying and I prayed for our law enforcement. And I asked the Lord to expose power hungry law enforcement agents who are motivated and energized by Satan himself. What do I mean a power-hungry law enforcement agent who is motivated and energized by Satan himself? I mean the officer that we saw on the video published before the world who stopped that young lieutenant in his military uniform. And applied absolutely too much force to the situation. 100 times more force that was needed. But tripping on power. Tripping on power. Not knowing how to use power. That's what caused the problem. There was absolutely no reason for that situation... To go south like it did. Absolutely no reason whatsoever. But this is what happens. When we invest. When we invest near unlimited power. In the hands of people. Who are not mature enough. Who are not grown enough. Who are not spiritual enough. Who are not emotionally mature enough. To handle power. Who has something to learn themselves. We can't trust them with power. That is too much power for them. And it turns them to power hungry. The wise man said power corrupts. And absolute power corrupts absolutely. And when you have an agency, an organization of the government who exercises power and that power goes unchecked, you have to expect and you cannot be surprised when corruption ensues. Power unchecked breeds corruption. You know what? That even goes for the church. Yes, that even goes for the church. Unchecked power breeds corruption. I used to teach in the church where I pastored that you cannot have a crooked preacher without a crooked people. And unchecked power breeds corruption. It's a guarantee. It's inevitable. And we're going to have Problems with policing in the United States of America until the entire populace of the United States of America say, you know what, enough is enough. It just chaps my hide to no end that people are still angry at Michael Vick because he was guilty of dogfighting. But we have people who die in the streets at the hand of law enforcement, at the hands of one another. We have people who are dying in the streets and we can't seem to get an uprising out of these same self-righteous people. How in the world is it that we can express more concern, more compassion for animals than for human beings? Beings. Enough is enough. It's time for everyone to declare that no one should die without a good reason. And people dying over a few cigars, people dying over a suspected fake $20 bill, that's ridiculous. That is absolutely moronic. People dying. Because they tried to run from the police. And the police. The law enforcement agent. The experienced law enforcement agent. The experienced law enforcement agent. Says that. She grabbed her taser. Instead of her pistol. I'm I, i, I I'm just miffed at such a monumental accident. But before the accident got there, hey, you know what? You know what, guy? We got a warrant for you. We found you once, we'll find you again. I'm not going to use deadly force because we have a warrant for your arrest. Not unless the warrant is for murder or rape of some extremely serious and heinous offense. You know what dude, nobody's going to die over a real $20 bill, let alone a fake $20 bill. This is just not a good day to die. You know, I've got a whole lot more that I could say about this and I wanna say a whole lot more. And maybe I will say a whole lot more in the future. I want to express some ideas about how to improve law enforcement. But let me say this. I'm going to say this and I'm going to move on. I want to talk about just a couple of two or three points about how to help your relationships. But I want to say this about law enforcement. First of all, I believe that we are teaching law enforcement from the wrong perspective, we are approaching law enforcement from the wrong perspective. And when you when you teach and you approach law enforcement from the wrong perspective, you have to expect bad fruit. When you plant bad seed, corrupt seed, you have to expect bad and corrupt fruit. We have the wrong perspective of law enforcement. We must, law enforcement must be built on the foundation that every single one of us are human. Humans are capable of doing some quite inhumane things to other humans. But if you're not suspected of doing some of those inhumane things, if you're not guilty, if there is no evidence of probable cause to believe that you have engaged in some of those inhumane things, then we must treat each other inhumane ways. We must respect and dignify humanity. And it is totally inhumane to throw a grown man down on the ground and kneel with your knee on his neck even after a professional medic has told you that there is no pulse. All right, I'm going to leave this alone. I'll come back to this again. I will come back to this again. But I want to throw out some things here. Let me shift. Let's transition to help you in your marriage and family relationships. I want to throw out just a few things here that will help your marriage relationships, help you and your children, help children and their parents, definitely help husbands and wives. You know what? We really never get marriage training prior to being married. We do not get marriage training prior to being married. We have premarital counseling, but that's not enough. We're already setting our ways. And premarriage counseling, it's a band-aid. Because whether it's four weeks, five weeks, or six weeks, it's only an hour, hour and a half. If you go two hours a week in your premarital counseling, you've gone an extremely long time. So 12 hours of preparation is nothing compared to the next next 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years that you're going to be married. 12 hours does not much at all to impact the next 50 years. So we have to learn how to handle ourselves prior to being married. But I want to give you three or four things here that will definitely help you. Definitely help you in your relationship. The first thing I want to tell you is develop your spiritual self. One of the most important things you can do for yourself Is develop your spiritual self. One of the most important things that you can do for yourself is to make sure that your life is surrendered to Jesus Christ, allow Jesus to sit on the throne of your life. It's one of the greatest things you can do. Yes, keep in mind this is a Christian based program. But let me tell you one reason why it's so great for our relationships. Because learning, being impacted by the love of God, having our lives changed by the love of God, allows us to see each other in a different light. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, I believe, around verse 15 or 16, maybe verse 5 or 6. I I think there's a 5 or 6 in it. But Paul says, Henceforth, know we, know we not each other after the flesh. In other words, after Christ Jesus has come into our lives, after Christ Jesus has taken over our lives, now that Christ Jesus sits on the throne of our lives, we don't look at one another the same way we used to before Jesus. We don't judge one another the same way we used to before Jesus. We don't treat one another the same way. We don't love one another the same way. We have a different level of toleration. We have a different degree of love. We have a greater compassion for one another than we did before Jesus came into our lives. We see each other as children of the living God. We see each other as souls that belong to God. Now the soul that sinned shall surely die. But the killing part is up to God. Our part is loving. So Paul says the first thing I want you to know is that we, after we're born again, after we're washed in the blood of Jesus, after Jesus takes his rightful place on the throne of our lives, We won't know each other after the flesh. We're going to forgive. We're going to get over our unforgiveness. And we won't remember each other based on what you did to me. Woo! Yeah, we won't know each other after the flesh. You hurt me in the flesh. But God made me whole in the spirit. I think one of the greatest stories in the Bible... I'm going to try to get to all of these points. I've just got a couple. But one of the greatest stories of forgiveness in the Bible is Joseph forgiving his brothers. Joseph forgiving. His brothers inflicted more harm on him than any that you and I can imagine in anybody's life. But after years, after years of working, after years of being cared for by God, And then finally seeing where God was taking him to in all of the traumatic experiences that his brothers laid on him. Joseph was able to forgive his brothers. And not only that, but I think the greater story is in Joseph naming his children. Joseph had two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Joseph named the first son Ephraim. I think the first one was Ephraim. But Joseph named his first son and his name meant God has caused me to forget. God has caused me to forget. And the second son he named Manasseh. And Manasseh means God has caused me to prosper anyhow. So God has called me to forget God has caused me to prosper. And by the time Joseph met up with his brothers again, he was ready to forgive them. Why? Because God had done something in his spirit whereby he knew, no longer knew his brothers after the flesh. Had he known them after the flesh, he would be an intent on revenge He would have been intent on taking it out on them, getting them back, paying them back. The big payback, as James Brown used to say. But after God had worked in his heart, he no longer knew them after the flesh. And the benefit of Jesus on the throne in our lives, the benefit of not knowing one another after the flesh, is that we get to see each other through the eyes of God. Yes, we get to see each other through the eyes of God. And when we see each other through the eyes of God, we don't see what we did to each other. We see how much compassion God has on us and how we need to have the same type of compassion. On someone else. Especially our spouse. So if you really want to help your relationship. Allow Jesus to sit on the throne of your life. And develop your spiritual self. Alright. Let me give you another clue here. Let me give you another clue here. To help your relationship. Uh, Don't expect. Or don't make each other. Read each other's minds. Husbands and wives, don't make each other read each other's minds. You know how that goes, don't you? Honey, do you want anything for your birthday? Nah, I don't want anything. But then when he or she gets nothing, like they said, they get upset because they didn't get anything. They didn't receive anything. When in their hearts, they really wanted to receive something. The only person you should be upset with in a situation like that is yourself because you allowed that to happen. You made that happen by telling a lie. Oops. I'm sorry. You made that happen by not being honest. And sometimes we may be saying we don't want anything because maybe we're in a financial bind and we really don't want uh to make the debt grow deeper make the debt grow larger we can't afford to give gifts to one another maybe there's something else going on we need to place a higher priority on other things that may be true and you may mean well when you say something like i don't want anything don't get me anything but if you're not telling the truth those words should not come out of your mouth You cannot get upset at your husband or your wife because they give you what you ask for, nothing. It would be better if you told the truth and said something like, you know what, I wouldn't mind having something, but we have higher priorities right now. My day will come. I wouldn't mind having something right now, but there's a need greater than my need to receive a gift. We've got to include honesty. We cannot afford to continue making each other read the other's minds. We can't do that. We can't do it. So that's the first thing. Here's something else I want to tell you. Learn to talk about things before they reach critical stage. You need a spouse, a husband, or a wife that you can talk to. And you know what, husbands and wives, we need to respect each other enough to know and believe that there are matters in our hearts that are of concern to us. And if there is a matter in the heart of my wife that is a concern to her, it should be a concern to me. If the matters of your spouse's heart are not a concern to you, You don't know what it is to love with true, genuine love. We can't be married and the matters of my heart don't matter to her and the matters of her heart don't matter to me. That's not how you love. So first of all, we've got to get to a place where the matters of the heart matters to both of us. And then we have to believe that we have to know, we have to be open enough, compassionate enough, patient enough that when our spouses are trying to tell us what's in their hearts, they deserve our undivided attention. We need to build our relationships where we feel safe enough To come to each other with the serious matters of our heart. Because there are some things that take place in our marriage relationships. You know they irk you. You know they rub you wrong. You know they get under your skin. There are some things that our spouses may do. There are some dynamics in our marriage relationships. When they take place, they're kind of like the, the, someone rubbing the fingernails on the chalkboard in the classroom. they grate great on us. But we'll say to ourselves, you know what? I'm going to let it slide. I'm going to let it slide. I'm going to let it slide. But then you can let it slide for so long. Until one day that particular thing combines with other things and it rubs you so wrong. It rubs you so roughly until you lose your cool and you blow up. We have to learn to take care of things. We have to learn to talk about things before they reach the critical stage. Before they reach the critical, you know what? Before, when they reach the critical stage, now we need counseling. Now we need medication. Now we're angry. Now we have a wall that is going to take years to bring down. Why? Because we did something unwise, like not deal with it. We didn't deal with the mountain when it was a molehill. We allowed the molehill to grow into a mountain. And now it's going to take us years to chip away at it and bring it down. We must learn to talk about things before they reach the critical stage. It's an absolute must. And just like reading the other's mind, don't just assume that they know. Yes, you know what? The longer you've been married, the longer you've been married, the longer you can read your partner's uh, moods, The longer you can read their attitude, the longer you've been married, the more familiar you will become with your partner's personality. You know, I I tell my wife sometimes, I don't like the energy that I'm feeling right now. I know something is up. Now, I'll be honest with you. More often than not, I know what's up. And a lot of times, I'm the cause of it. But just to break that ice... To try and prevent things from reaching the critical stage. I'm going to break the ice. And I'm going to let her know. I don't like the energy that I'm feeling right now. Because we've been married over 37 years. I can read her moods. I know her moods. I know her personality. I know them. Now, if you've been married three years or if you've been married seven years, possibly even 10 years, you may not know your spouse that well yet. So don't do something unwise. Like assume your husband or your wife knows what's going on inside of you. Don't do that. I'm telling you it's unwise and it's going to cost you. You know what they say about assuming you make an mm, out of you and me. Don't assume, don't rehold them, don't hold your spouse responsible for something that you didn't inform them about. Yes, you're going to grow to know each other, but you're too focused on yourself if you're trusting your spouse to assume to know, or if you're assuming that your spouse knows. And you're believing and you're waiting on them to respond to you. That's too much focus on you way too much focus on you. Listen, I would love to talk about this some more. I would love to talk about those police, uh, uh, law enforcement in the USA again. And I would love to talk about this some more, but I'm out of time and I got to get out of here. I've got to get out of here. But I thank you for joining me on this episode of Marriage and Family Clinic. If you want to hear it again, remember, search the podcast on iTunes, search on Spotify, search on iHeartRadio. Just search for Bishop C.D. Hodges. I appreciate you joining me. We're going to be back with you again next week but until then remember you can't have peace until you surrender your life to the prince of peace god bless you we're out